I would like to call forward Bob Neal to teach and give us a dress from the Torah portion this morning. It's amazing seeing a whole bunch of new faces. A little earlier, I was asked if I had ever spoken to a group before. A few years ago, when both our children were toddlers, yes, that's my daughter, uh, I was asked to say something in a Baptist church about tithing. And there were only 400 people available. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't keep my bag mouth shut. So, when given the offer to speak to you guys, I jumped in. Then, reading through Leviticus 18, I realized there's quite a bit of verses in there talking about nudity. I am uncomfortable speaking about that. However, if someone is wanting to learn the deep way, the best way, is to try teaching it. So I took a deep breath and dove in. From being around churches for a few years, I've noticed that many preachers like to begin a sermon with a joke. I intend to begin with an apology. <laughs> I have trouble reading, and especially reading aloud, as much as I would like to read each of the verses to you, I'm afraid I stutter, stammer, and often I see a collection of words and I have to try reading it three or four times before I understand what they're saying. I blame that on having been helping at a church where they were preparing for a summer vacation Bible study for a week long. And while I was attempting to hang some scenery, had a ladder collapse under me. It was no serious damage. I fell on my head. Unfortunately, I understand that I left a stain on the carpet. When I woke up in the hospital a week and a half later, I was surprised to
to hear the doctor say that he was relieved. He didn't have to do any head surgery. I was bleeding from my ears. Thanks to that, I, uh, my ears have become quite sensitive to loud, high-pitched sounds like sirens. And indeed, I've been to a few places where the sound system was so loud, I couldn't hear the person next to me. Or, at least once, hearing the baby crying in front of me. I don't visit those places often. Our sound crew does a very great job monitoring how loud things get. Among the other things that I have learned, I don't know what I have forgotten. But I keep getting uh, reminders. I have trouble remembering names, so I usually carry a name tag. Because of my hearing, I carry earplugs also. But I do challenge you, I will say some things wrong. So I, I hope that you will be able to take notes and test what you hear me say if it agrees with Scripture. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the old expression that where there are two Jewish men in a room, there are at least four opinions. So, after you hear me, I look forward to hearing your comments and corrections. And please, test what you hear me say. Make sure it comes close to Scripture. When Reading Leviticus 18, the first question that came into my mind was how did the book of Leviticus fit into history? Does it fit into Exodus or where in the world did it fit? Or is it like Job? just another book. Looking at it, my opinion, and it won't be the first time I've made a mistake this morning, my opinion was that uh, the book, writing the book of Le Leviticus, let's face it, it would take more than one evening to write the book of Leviticus. It would have to have been started about the time Moses came down from 
Mount Sinai, saw the people singing and dancing, lost control of himself, and broke all Ten Commandments at once. Let me rephrase that. After Moses had been spending 40 days in a crash course on law and order in Mount Sinai with the Lord, that when he came down, he found the people worshiping the golden calf that came walking out of the fire. Isn't that what Aaron said? That would have been a short time after they had crossed the Red Sea on dry land and then watched the Egyptian army and Pharaoh drown. That would have been just after they had been kicked out of Egypt. At, the, uh, at Passover, or just after Passover. So, that's when, in my mind, Leviticus was written, or started to be written. As I look at the first five chapters, excuse me, let me throw in another apology. I know many of you have been in a Torah study where you have covered all of this. So I'm looking forward to your comments and corrections. For me, as I look at Leviticus 18, 1 through 5, I'm struck by seeing that the Lord is telling the children of Israel and us, do not do the ways of Egypt. That implies that the people liked more while being in Egypt than just the leeks and the garlic. The Lord says to follow his commandments, not theirs. Looking at verses 6 through 20, there's a lot of verses talking about nudity. I'm sure Hollywood does not appreciate that being in the scriptures. To me, my opinion again, the relationship between a man and a woman is very powerful. Anything powerful, like fire, if it's not handled carefully, correctly, can destroy. 
why are there so many verses covering the question of nudity? Does that imply, again, my opinion, that some people fall into the habit, distraction, of asking the question, if I did it this way, would it still be a sin? What if I did it that way? Would it still count? Surely not. Personally, I was struck by verse 21, speaking about Moloch. The first thing that caught my attention, I don't think, and I, again, it's not the first time I've been wrong this morning, I don't think Moloch was mentioned before this. I know there's a whole lot more said about the worshiping the pagan god with a small g of Moloch, a man's invention. There's a lot more in Leviticus 20 and more in many other books, including in the New Testament. I am curious because I cannot understand why someone would worship a pagan god in the form of Moloch and pass an infant through a fire. And surely I'm misreading something in there. Is passing over the fire, through the fire, something like some of the churches today where they sprinkle water on an infant and say he's been bathed, excuse me, baptized? Is it a matter of taking an infant and passing it over a candle? Or is it a human sacrifice, like abortion? These are my opinions, so whichever way. Looking at verses 22 through 30, I see the relationship between the cross-reference of Ezekiel 22, 1 through 12, and Romans 1, 21 through 32. I see, reading between the lines, that some people 
begin to be unhappy with their situation, their status in life, and they begin to wonder, is the Lord watching over me? Does the Lord need my help to fix things? Or even, there must be no God, therefore, I can do my own thing. Looking at Ezekiel 22, 1 through 12, I see a relationship to the leaders, specifically in Jerusalem, falling into the trap of wanting payment, bribery, to influence their decisions rather than asking the Lord for a direction or studying His Word and fulfilling His direction. Looking at Romans 1, 21 through 32 in the New Testament, it seems to be spelled out a little more bluntly. People not worshiping God, people not giving God the glory of where we stand, aren't you glad that we do not have politicians wanting bribery? Or aren't you even happier that we know who is in control of these very trying times? Having read the back of the book, we know that the times will get more and more troublesome. So we need to be prepared. We are being tested. We are being tested. How else do people really learn other than through testing? The Lord is in control. And as I keep looking at the newspaper, I keep seeing that things are getting a whole lot closer to the end time. following the Jewish tradition. On the other hand, Paul, when he was writing, was thinking, this is the, the end times. So, I do know that there are a few pieces missing from the jigsaw puzzle. 
but we are getting a whole lot closer. There's a whole lot more pieces fitting in. Now for the hard question. Since you've been through Torah study, you've heard me say a few words. What are we going to do about it? It's a nasty question. We need to be in the Lord's Word, be ready to share it. Who knows when you're going to be out in a crowd and hear someone raise a question. By falling back to what the Scripture has told, you have the answers. Bob, thank you for your words this morning. I just want to um, say that, uh, you know, Bob said he hadn't, uh, it had been a few years since you spoke, huh? In front of a crowd. That, that could take a lot of bravery to do that. Um, but uh, I also just want to give honor, Bob, because, um, you know, there are, this, this kind of teaching um, and pointing us directly to the scriptures, guiding us through what for some people would be a, a very challenging passage to read or something that maybe they would just not read and choose to, choose to avoid um, because it's uncomfortable to them. Um, it, you, can, you can walk us through it um, in, a, in a way that uh, is helpful and is not uh, avoiding um, talking about something that just, just because it makes us uncomfortable. Uh, and, and really that's, Scripture gives us guidance for all of these types of topics, even if they do make us uncomfortable. Um, and, and, they, and it gives us true guidance um, to walk through this. And, and, and as Bob alluded to, our, our society, and, and honestly, you know, it was, this, it was the same in the time of Yeshua, and, and then the same in the time of, of Moses when he was writing this. Society has, has been opposed to uh, the ways of the Lord for thousands of years. Um, and so, you know, we think, well, it's getting worse and worse and worse now. Well, I mean, yes, it is, but it, it's, all, it's, it's been this way, too. Um, we, should, we should expect that as well, but we, but we also have to, as, as Bob said there, stand and live differently and be ready with an answer that Scripture provides for us as well. So I just want to give honor to the Lord uh, for Bob uh, as well. Bob, thank you for your teaching this morning. You know, it, this is so important to me to have men from generation to generation to be able to share. Lador Vador, this, this is critical. This is something I desire in our congregation that we have uh, those from every generation that are able to teach, able to receive. Um, you know, Bob is from a generation ahead of me. Uh, he was close to retirement age when you met me, uh, and, and Bob invited me to come here um, as he saw me at work there at Boeing, 
back in 2005. Um, and, and Bob was a person and is a person who uh, lives by the word and, um, and isn't afraid to talk to others about it, including a young engineer who uh, probably wouldn't have talked to Bob about it, but Bob was willing to talk to me about it. Um, and, and that is worthy of honor and praise to the Lord. Um, and, and so I thank you, Bob, uh, for your example to us. Um, you guys see Bob most every week over here at the door, still serving and greeting people every single week, uh, making sure that they are welcome here in the building. Uh, while, while others may, may choose a life of ease in retirement and, and want to go do other things, uh, Bob continues to serve. And, and what an example for us to, to do that. And, and, and likewise, and Les, too, you read for us this morning, you know, I know that uh, you're, you're also, you know, approaching that retirement age as well, and, and you and are, are already there, and, you know, you could, again, be the same, in the same lifestyle, you know, wanting and going and, and, and chasing a, in a golf course or something else, you know, I, but, but you continue to serve. You, I, I, I've had conversations with you. I know that the Lord is still calling you, and you're, and you're still faithful. You're not looking to just escape and be done with the, the hard parts of life, but you're continuing to know that your calling is in the kingdom of the Lord. And, and that never ends for us, who are part of the body of Messiah. It never ends. That, that, it, that is continually our calling and, and that's so, so, so very important. Uh, <clears throat> we had a couple of weeks ago, um, we had Dan Jester who was here, and uh, he's 75 years old now, and was, is starting a new Bible school in Israel, like at 75, a brand new venture, you know. Um, he's like, what am I doing at this age, <laughs> right? Why, am I, why is the Lord calling me to this? At 75 years old, shouldn't, shouldn't he be, you know, just spending his time with his grandkids? You know, but no, you know, the Lord is still, still has a calling on our lives at every age. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about these men who are of retirement age, but yet, what was it, just last month, we had Naomi reading from the Torah scroll, I believe. So that was last month, right? I think you read, you know, this is, this is, <laughs> she's, she's throwing some shade on some other young men who probably should be uh, reading from the scroll as well. But the, uh, the point is, is that, that we have from every generation here serving and, and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Uh, Lador Vador, this generation to generation idea and concept is so critical for us as a congregation to pass things along to one another, for the older women to mentor the younger women, for the older men to mentor and, and teach, train up, and be elders to those who are the younger men, for those who have energy and are now younger to do the things that require energy, uh, you know, for those who... <clears throat> For those who have wisdom and have been there, done that, can teach those who, who don't have that wisdom, who are inexperienced. 
and for those who are younger to sit and learn at the feet of those who are older and, and, and have lived. But also, you know, we never stop learning. Uh, every day, you know, even those of us, those who are twice my age will, I hope, and when I am twice this age, will continue to be learning from those who are half my age and, and are embedded in the word of the Lord and by his spirit. So, again, just I want to give honor where that's due and honor those who are, who are before me as well. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Les, for serving this morning in the ways that you have.